Good morning again, and happy Sabbath. I have a message today from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 13, uh, the text that Shonar just read here this morning. And before we start talking about that, it talks about examining yourself, self-examination. But before we talk about that, I'd like to invite you to join me in prayer, asking for God's direction here. So join me as far as possible as we pray. Father, it's never too much to come to you in prayer, and we appreciate this opportunity. We thank you, Lord. And we'd like to ask that right now as we open the Bible and we study your word, that you may anoint my lips, may I speak, Lord, and convey the message that you have for us this morning. May I not present my own ideas, but may I be used as your instrument this morning. And bless every person here, including myself, that we may have our ears and our minds and eyes open so that we can grasp what the message is for us this morning. I ask you, Lord, these blessings and be with those who are not able to be here this morning. May they also be uh, the object of your blessing and care and protection. I ask you these blessings in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Examine yourselves. Examine yourselves. What is to examine? What does the dictionary say? Or here's what the dictionary says. I didn't expect you to bring a dictionary today, by the way. But here's what the dictionary says. Examine is to endeavor to discover the nature or a character of something by testing. By trying to make trial of, to put to the test. That's to examine. That's what examine means. Now, why do we need self-examination? Why the need of self-examination? Well, we know that if we follow Bible prophecy, as I believe uh, most of you here do, we see that we are coming to a very significant and special time of this world's history. Uh, something major is going to happen. That's what I hear from many people, whether Christians or not. But something major is just about to happen. And maybe some, some of them can really, can't really put a finger on it, but something major seems to be coming up. And in fact, based on Bible prophecy, we know that something major is coming up. Probably the, the biggest event, certainly the biggest event in history is going to come. Now, Daniel the prophet, Daniel the prophet, he had a vision that he relates, he reports in chapter 7. And in verses 9 and 10 of the book of Daniel chapter 7, he says that he, he, he had a vision of heaven. And the judgment was set, and the books were open. And that which was, which was still in the future for the prophet Daniel actually is present now. That scene that Daniel saw in vision is actually taking place right now. So Jesus is up in heaven interceding for us, uh, interceding as our defense attorney before the Father, and covering us with his righteousness. And the Bible actually says in Revelation chapter 4 verse 7 that the hour of his judgment is 
come. So the Bible also says that the judgment is taking place right now. It is the antitypical day of atonement. That which the people of Israel had on a yearly basis. Now Jesus is doing for us in heaven. He's interceding for us. And in the process of cleansing the heavenly sanctuary. In the process of cleansing the sanctuary. We are told to examine ourselves. We are told to examine ourselves. So that's why we need to do it. In the process of the cleansing of the sanctuary. We are encouraged to examine ourselves. Now back in the Old Testament. Let's make a journey now back to the Old Testament. About a thousand years, a thousand years before the Apostle Paul would write these words here that he sent in this letter to the Corinthians. King David, King David asked God, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties and see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. So David is here asking God to search, to do this work of searching and try him and examine his heart. But here in Corinthians, as we read this morning, the Apostle Paul is encouraging you and I to examine ourselves. So what's the difference? Why would David ask God to search his heart? And why is Paul now telling you and I to search our own hearts, to examine ourselves? Let's try to understand this. Let's try to find a reason why. Sometimes we read these things and we, we, we sometimes overlook them. But there is something significant here. Well, Paul, as anyone who will stand for the truth, Paul faced opposition. Right? Everywhere he went, even among Christians, the, there were people who were opposing Paul. People always questioned his apostolic authority. They questioned his calling, whether or not he was a real apostle. And maybe that's something we do today. When we look at someone and we see someone that maybe is very uh, committed and very dedicated, and we see and we think, well, is that real? Is that just, uh, just uh, putting on? But Paul was questioned all the time. Now, in the previous chapters here, before chapter 13 of 2 Corinthians, Paul had had a, a, a he used a, a great portion of the letter trying to, to justify his apostolic calling. He, he had to prove that even though he was not one of the twelve. He still had been calling to do ministry. Had been called to do ministry. Because he had a personal encounter with Christ. And Christ himself commissioned him to go out and preach the gospel. So you may look at this and it may seem as if oh, Paul was kind of boasting of his ministry. But no. In chapter 12 verse 6. Chapter 12, verse 6 of 2 Corinthians, Paul says, For even though I would, desire, I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, 
lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he hears of me. So Paul was not boasting. He said, you know, boasting is foolish. I don't want to be a fool. But I had to, I had to confirm the authority of my credentials. I had been called by God for this. And now he encourages the Corinthians to examine themselves and to see whether or not they were still in the faith. And I hope you're following me. So Paul's objective here was not to boast about himself, but to say, I have taught you the true gospel of Christ. And it is salvation by faith, not dependent on the works of the law. But if this is what you believe still, then, then you were good. You were in the faith. Whether or not they remained, remained grounded in the true gospel, which is salvation by faith. And whether or not Christ lived within them, and whether or not they were growing in Christ. So that was the gospel that Paul preached. And that's where their spiritual experience should come from. Faith in Christ, Christ in them, and growth in Christ. So this is a pretty, uh, uh, in a nutshell, that's what each one of us should be striving for. We should be striving to live a religious experience that's based on faith in Christ. We should be, be striving to have Christ in us, to allow Him to live in us, and then to grow in Christ. That's something I encourage you to, to think about yourself. Examine yourselves. But how are we in practice going to examine ourselves? How are we to examine ourselves? I have three quotations here from Ellen G. White. And they're very insightful, very insightful in regard to how to examine ourselves. You want to make sure that you are walking in the faith, right? You want to make sure that you are, that you are believing in the gospel as preached by Paul and the other apostles as summarized in the Bible. So here is one text I read from the book Fundamentals of Christian Education, page 214. And it says... We are to compare our characters with, with others? No, no, never. We are to compare our characters with the infallible standard of God's law. In order to do this, we must search the scriptures, measuring our attainments by the word of God. Through the grace of Christ, the highest attainments in character are possible. For every soul who comes under the molding influence of the Spirit of God may be transformed in mind and heart. In order to understand your condition, it is necessary to study the Bible. So listen to that. It's necessary to study the Bible and to watch unto prayer. Also in the, in the devotional, our, our High Calling, page 162, for our present and eternal good, let us criticize our actions to see how they stand in the light of the law of God. We need those who will follow Christ fully, whose head, hands, ears, and every faculty and power are consecrated to Jesus. It is not purse power or brain power, but heart power that we need. Amen. 
and in five testimonies page 105 in this time of conflict and trial we need all the support and consolation we can derive from righteous principles from fixed religious convictions from the abiding assurance of the love of Christ and from a rich experience in divine things we shall attain to the full stature of men and women in Christ Jesus only as the result of a steady growth in grace. You know, friends, we live in a world, and it's interesting that I just read here, in the season of conflict and trial, we need all the support and consolation we can derive from righteous principles, from fixed religious convictions. In this world today, there are no more fixed convictions. Overall, in general, there are, no, there are not many fixed, fixed convictions left, let alone fixed religious convictions. You know, you go around and you talk to people and there is just not certainty of anything. There is a, a whole mixture of concepts and ideologies and everybody seems not to be sure of anything anymore. I just heard of, of uh, something really sad. I just heard it today of a young person, 18 years old, that felt like life was not worth it anymore. And did something about it. Unfortunately, the, the worst decision someone could make about it. Because people look around and they don't see an answer. And they can't find purpose. And there are no moral fixed convictions anymore. The moral fabric of society is, is rotting out. There is no conviction. And we have right here in this book, right here in these ancient words, preserved for our guidance, we have right here the standard by which we should be measuring our lives. Let no one here that can hear the, the sound of my voice in this congregation, let none of our relatives, none of our families be caught up in this, in this mess, that's the word, where there are no fixed convictions, where there are no fixed religious beliefs. But let's go back to the Bible and draw from the Bible our spiritual assurance. Because outside of that, Outside of the Christian walk, outside of Christ, there is no hope whatsoever. And we might be hearing more and more stories. And there may be, even in our families, in our extended family situations, like the one I just mentioned here. Are we in the faith, is my question to you. Are we in the faith? David was a prophet. David himself was a prophet. And he knew by heart the testimony contained in the tablets of stone. He knew it by heart. They had to memorize it. And David memorized it. But he accepted the gift of God's grace through faith by the testimony of a prophet named Nathan. And I heard that this morning the primary class was studying uh, the, the interaction between David the king and Nathan the prophet. When David was confronted by Nathan the prophet about his terrible sins. And he was not, he, he hadn't really come to, to his senses. 
And then the prophet comes to him and, and confronts him and says, what you did was wrong, was sinful. And David came to his senses and said, well, I have sinned against God. So David knew the law by heart. But it was the testimony of a prophet. It was the spirit of prophecy that convinced David of his sin. Paul was a prophet also himself. Paul wrote the letters to the Corinthians. Paul also knew the Holy Scriptures from childhood. He memorized it. But it was only through the testimony of prophecy, through the testimony of Jesus Christ himself, that he started a journey of walking by faith. Why am I saying this here this morning? Because you and I, you and I, we don't need to live without faith. We do not need to live in fear. There is no need for us to question or to doubt the glorious future that God has for His people. Because God in His divine plan, God in His infinite wisdom, He has also given the Holy Scriptures. And He has also given us the testimony of the Spirit of prophecy. We have the testimony of Jesus Christ. I must be honest with you. I didn't know we were going to read Revelation 19, 1 to 10 this morning. I knew we were going to read from the book of Revelation. But Revelation 19, verses 1 to 10. In verse 10. Verse 10. As the angel is talking back to John, he says, And I fell, uh, or John fell at his foot. Uh, John fell, uh, fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, See that you do, do, do it not. Because I'm your fellow servant and of your brothers and sisters. Then that have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is what? Is a spirit of prophecy. So God has given us prophecy. God has given us the spirit of prophecy. So that we may not walk, may not walk in darkness. We may walk in the light. Yes, I can tell you. I can guarantee you. That's the certainty of God's word. But we don't need to live in fear. We have the Bible, we have the spirit of prophecy to give us assurance. The assurance of a glorious future. Today is a special day. We have communion, right? And I say it every time I preach that we are taught... In, in school, in the seminary, not to preach long when there is communion. So today it's no different. But I want to say something before we go to the communion service. And it has to do about examining ourselves. Jesus said in the book of Luke, the book of Luke chapter 22 verse 15. Luke 22 15. It says that Jesus expressed the desire that he had to, to uh, partake of the Passover with his disciples. With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. Jesus wanted so much to eat Passover with, with his disciples before he would endure, he would go down the Via Dolorosa. He knew he was going to go down the path that would put him through the darkest hours of his earthly life. 
But before going down that road, before going down the Via Dolorosa, he wanted to make sure that he would give the disciples an opportunity to examine themselves. How is that, Pastor? Yes. One of the purposes that Jesus had with the communion, with the Passover meal, was to put his disciples in a situation where they would have the opportunity to examine themselves. How is that? Oh, Jesus, while having the meal, while, having, while, while eating Passover with the disciples, he says something that was shocking. He says, I tell you the truth, one of you will betray me. That was shocking. That was really startling. One of you will betray the Lord. All the disciples were uneasy with that simple statement. And that uneasiness led them to self-examination. Because the disciples, that's what the Bible says, one after the other. The Bible is clear about that. It was not only one or two of them, but all the disciples, one after the other, they began to ask him, Lord, is it I? Is it I? So here is the opportunity we have. We are just about to partake in the Lord's Supper, in the communion service. And I encourage you to examine yourself. I don't expect any of you here to, to have the purpose of betraying the Savior. I don't see that coming, but examine yourself. Examine whether or not you're in the faith. And before you partake of the communion, ask, Lord, is it I? Lord, is there something in my life? Lord, search my heart and show me what I need to leave behind. Today, we might be just at the brink of, of the most difficult times we may ever experience in this world. But before we get to that time, before we get to the time of trouble, before we go there, before probation closes, while the door is still open, while the Savior is still knocking on our heart's door, Jesus is calling us today to examine ourselves. And then Paul concludes, examine yourselves, that going forward you may rejoice, you be made complete, you be restored, you be perfect in God's sight. And he finishes saying, comfort one another with these words. Agree with one another. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. So this is my appeal to you this morning. And a couple weeks ago, I was preaching here about miracles. And I said, do you believe that God can, can work miracles? And, and you, you all said yes. And I said, don't say yes because you think that's what... The pastor might be expecting to hear. But only say yes if you believe it. And today is the same thing. Here is, here is God's call to you and I. That we examine ourselves. And that we leave behind what needs to be left behind. That we strive to fix and to mend relationships that need to be mended. This is not purely an, an, uh, an ideological exercise. No, this is, this is something real. We need to do something about it. 
We need to take action about it. So just like Jesus was just about to go the darkest hours of his experience, just as we are just about to go into the time of trouble, before we go there, we'll partake in communion. We'll have an opportunity to partake in the Lord's Supper. So that we may be prepared to face whatever may come in the future. But we are encouraged to examine ourselves and to mend anything that needs to be mended. So here is my appeal to you. That now, uh, in, in, last week in the bulletin there was an announcement that we, we proceeded with this self-examination and preparation in light of the Lord's Supper coming today. And today is the day. All preparation uh, should have been done in advance. But remember the, the thief on the cross? Remember that? Well, he had lived a whole life of crime and uh, being against the law. But it was right there at that very moment when he looked at Jesus being uh, scorned, being scoffed by the other people. And even the other thief. That he came to the realization and said, no, this is not right. And he said, this man is, this man is innocent. We deserve this, but not him. And he turned to Jesus and said, Lord, please remember me when you, go, when you come in your kingdom. And Jesus said, surely I will remember you. It was in his last hour, even though preparation should have done before, but the Lord is still giving us an opportunity. Whether it's a personal thing that you want to give to the Lord, that you want to surrender to the Lord, whether it's a relationship that needs to be fixed, the Lord is giving you this opportunity now. But we need to be a real church. We need to be a church for real. And if this is what the Bible is saying, that's what we got to do. So I'm not here to force anyone, but I'm here to appeal to you. If there is something that you need to, to fix with the Lord, if there is something that you need to fix with the brother or sister, take these moments now, between now and the foot washing, between now and the Lord's Supper, and give it to the Lord and mend and ask the Lord to mend any relationship that needs to be mended. Because we can't just play church. We've got to move forward as brothers and sisters. And the people outside in the community, they need to look at us and see a church that is united, that love each other. So they may, may see and say, well, there is something special about having a relationship with Christ. Does that make sense? If I hear a loud amen, I think it will make sense. Oh, praise the Lord. It does make sense. So now as we separate for foot washing, use this time. Use this time to talk to the Lord and talk to any fellow brother or sister that you need to. And the Bible says that even when we are hurt, even when someone hurts us, we should never be expecting for the other person to come to us. The Bible actually says that when you come to church, when you come to, to give your offerings, if you remember that someone has something against you, don't even go forward. Stop right there and go talk to your brother or sister. So either person can take the initiative. May God bless you.